Ola Volo is a Kazakh-Canadian artist whose artwork takes inspiration from Eastern European folklore. At the centre of her work, she places strong women. They hold the space and dominate with their own stories. In Brighton, during a recent visit, she created her first mural in the UK, a sassy queen of hearts imbued with the spirit of Brighton. Now working with Enter Gallery, she's turning that image into a new print release. Speaking to the podcast during that trip, she explained some of the meaning behind that work, as well as giving an insight into the inspirations that go into her wider practice. This is Art Related Noise, speaking with Ola Volo. We started experimenting with painting. There's so many avenues of art. We're surrounded by images. Just being lost in this sea of possibility. Announcing that I was going to be an artist. It brings the work I do alive even more. They could be part of this work as well. Everyone's got their own personal connection to something. Hello and welcome to Art Related Noise, the podcast of the Enter gallery in Brighton. My name's Stuart and with me today is Ola. Hi. How are you? <laughs> I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thanks for, thanks for coming and thanks for coming to Brighton as well. So this is the first time that you've been in Brighton, is that right? It's the first time I've ever been to Brighton and it's definitely not the last. I love this city. I, the energy, the people, I'm like, it's the kind of, it's the secret world that I wish to be part of forever. Like, I'm like, these are my, this is my tribe, you know? <laughs> and you've, you've painted a mural here as well, haven't you? I'm in the process of painting a mural there right now. It's almost finished. It's very close to the station. So if you're exiting the station, you won't, you won't miss it. It's right there. What generally goes, goes behind your work? Has there been any thought process behind that work in terms of image that you've chosen to represent? And what more generally mm -hmm. goes into your, the, in the work that you do? So, I mean, it's been years of creating artwork around surrounded around female characters and I've looked into female characters that are into goddesses and Greek goddesses and queens and even like the card games and like the queen of spades or the queen of diamonds and I find ways how how do these characters what kind of role do these characters play in my world so is this a common theme with with the work that you do then you've got the strong female characters but there's, there seems to be some sort of symbology some mythology mm -hmm. uh, folklore perhaps yeah. um, elements coming into the work is, is is that common throughout what, what you do uh, it's definitely common throughout what I do and I it all started actually a very long time ago because I was born and raised in Kazakhstan so my mom is Polish and my dad is Russian so I grew up on a lot of Eastern European folklore and of course, in Kazakhstan, there's a lot of influence from Mongolia and Middle East. There's a big mix of stories telling that that's very much there. But when I create my characters, I even I look back at even like the Russian Baba Yaga, you know, the the Russian witch and the way she's represented in different cultures in different ways. That she is a very powerful female character. So I I study them and I look at how it's what. If I was going to, if I was to revisit that same female in my world, how is she represented? So I always ask myself that and try to make it as unique and original to my world. So what's kind of cool is you don't have any limits as an artist. You can revisit any world that's already been visited before. And as long as you have your own approach to it. And you can be influenced by Eastern European folklore and Greek mythology, anything you want. But you have to create something new and something that that becomes your own. So, But for me, 
because I think moving to Canada and sort of being disconnected from my from my past, this was a way to connect. It's a way to stay, to learn more about my culture and about my community back in my family and to communicate with them through my work, you know? And I, when I think about, when I create my work, I think about like, what would my grandma think about this? Or would she understand this? You know, would she understand or feel this character? So maybe that's why I created work that's very narrative. And so when was it that you moved, moved to Canada? What, what prompted that? that move and is the move from Canada now is the work that you do is that a, a kind of reconnecting back to the Kazakhstan yeah I'm no I moved uh, when I was quite young I was 10 years old so I have memories from the past but of course we moved to Canada so we had to start a new life uh, in Vancouver uh, it was a big move it was a big cultural shock and a language it was obviously a different language but I think since then like I always used language as a like always language has been a barrier for me was it, whether it's like communicating to my family who is back in Kazakhstan or Poland so to bypass that art does it art is your gateway to just open that open that world to open the gateway of what language kind of closes up for a lot of us so I think when I started to create very narrative work very things that are very visual and clear I started to use influences from my past and take those characters and make them familiar in my world but in the western world they're kind of like oh this is a new approach or you but truthfully i'm just i'm revisiting something that's old and creating something of my own out of it and what what kind of kind of influences might we we see from a from a western eye if you like look at looking at your work what might we see within your mm -hmm. work that is uniquely from Kazakhstan or from the, the, the history that you've just you've just shared with us there? So there's like there's a lot of patterns that I use that are that I'm that I borrow from my grandma's settings and my household or if you ever search Kazakhstan and how the, what, what the houses look like there's a lot very ha heavy patterns you will have it the rugs on the floor the rugs on the walls the the cushions the dolls everything it is so filled with pattern work and color. I feel like my work is almost a reflection of that busyness. It's chaotic, but it's organized and you'll find your way through it. <laughs> and this, is this what you grew up with then? Were you, were, when you were in Kazakhstan, you were seeing these patterns, you were seeing these colors and exactly. presumably you were, you were hearing the stories and that sunk in. Exactly, that's like, that's my day to day, you know, that seeing that kind of setup, being around a lot of communities who are either Russian or Kazakh or German and then being seeing all the different setups but at the same time understanding for me it was one culture but when I look back I've realized how many different countries and how many different cultures were actually in one one place at the same time and I remember one of the things that was so interesting too is my grandma and this is something that I, I've thought about I just saw my grandma recently a couple of days ago and I went all the way to Poland to see her and I was talking about that memory with her. It's one of my earliest memories when I was visualizing art is when I was a kid she would put a vinyl on the, the, vin the vinyl um, player? The record player. The record player, my goodness. And it would be a story, it would be a Russian story about you know the swans and the two kids and the done. they would like be carried away by the swans and the whole time I would just stare at the vinyl cover 
and it was a very dense illustration and it was by this illustrator named Bilibin. He's like, he was famous in the early 1900s in Russia and um, it's very heavy pattern, very like muted colors because I guess they weren't printing super bright colors at that point. It was heavy patterns. It was putting one story into one visual. So everything from that story was, every scene was in that one piece. And I've realized that so much of my growing growing up is just looking at his work and looking at one piece that could tell the whole story. Everything that happens in that in that book or in, in that one record sitting. And I realized I think that is the beginning of the influence because that was what I perceived as the most beautiful visual as a kid. Like this is the most thing that was appreciated and that was gifted and that was stared at by so many particularly myself and I was like oh that's how I approach my work too <laughs> weird and you, you mentioned your grandma a few times there. has she been has she been a big influence in in your work and what you do now as a kid she was a big influence in my and I think I spent so much time on the farm and um, where she is with my grandpa and I think I had so much freedom and liberty to run around in my imagination in the forest in the garden and I think that liberty of just having your imagination take over as a kid I don't know I just I think that's when it live in your world that create your space create your world and although my family lived in the city I spent every weekend with them I think that was a big influence well I think being given that space to be creative as a as a young person yeah can only feed into if if that's grown, if that's nourished, if that's nurtured, yeah. must translate to what you're doing now. Because if I look at your work now, in the same way that you described the vinyl cover, yeah. there's a lot going in. There's a whole story there, isn't there? And I can see that you are exploring different avenues and you're bringing different ideas in. And exactly. there's a lot to. I suppose many people could see many different themes or mm -hmm. aspects mm -hmm. from one single piece. Exactly. You know, and one of the one of the artists that was such a like as I grew older and I became a teen and I remember seeing Gustav Klimt's work and I was taken back and I'm and I know he's like a very famous artist, but I was like, I'm the biggest fan. Hands down. <laughs> it had that same feeling that I love. It's like you can stare at it for hours. There's so much symbolism, there's so many little trinkets and moments of beauty and moments of rough like approaches to his work and gold leaf and eyeballs and eyes and like birds and everything he but there's this consistency and you cannot look away and when you see his work in person like yes you can look at it in on, a, on the internet for all you want but when you see it in person and the, the size that it is you can actually get lost in the details and I really I hope to like have that at least so close to that feeling that comes across from my work where you're like oh, that's influence from Art Nouveau but this is more like a folklore approach but this is more you know this is a modern woman and all those moments of inspiration I hope that people kind of like pick up on it at some point I don't know I hope they do. So you bring a lot of feminine energy into your work as well, and you, mm -hmm. you focus you, a lot of your characters, well, are women. Yeah. So what what is it about painting women, depicting women, being inspired by women that is so important within the work that you do? Well, I think painting women has been so much so natural to me because 
I'm a woman. So I think for me, I was like, how do I represent women? Or how would I like to see women represented? Of course, like, I do a lot of artwork outside and it's uh, more like street art and murals and I was seeing a lot of men representing women and I just felt like it wasn't how I would want women to be represented and I thought it was very important at least for a female artist to represent other females if I could. I took it as a challenge because I I was like, well, you know, these characters are very, um, I don't know, they're very folkloric. Maybe they're not as cool and edgy or nude or something. I don't know, whatever. Whatever I saw that was graffiti, that I thought represented graffiti, this was like kind of the opposite. It was this very approachable characters, but still had this quiet power in them. And then what I thought was the most interesting is when I started getting bigger and bigger walls, the same characters with their, with their comfort, with their confidence, with their ease, and they're also very approachable characters, but there's this quiet power, as I said, in them. The walls started getting bigger, and so the, they spoke louder, you know, those kind of characters, and they, they took up more and more space, and, but the soul of them didn't leave, you know, like they're still as humble characters, but they also take up space in their full power, and they're comfortable in there. I guess, needless to say, it's more like when I have the opportunity to place a character, and I, and I don't even think it, I create a lot of female characters, but men connect to these characters too, and they they find it as empowering a lot of the time, and connect to them differently than women, but still connect. I was like, this is very very nice to see that it, it speaks to all to all people. The, regardless of their age or gender, it doesn't matter. It's, a, it's this sort of feeling that it has, you know, as you said, like there's empowerment, there is a, a sense of I belong here, I belong on this wall, or I belong in this corner, whatever it is. But I also did, when I started doing street art, I, there was not a lot of women painting outside. And uh, I was, to be honest, I was very insecure a little, well, not insecure, I was more like, oh, I don't know if I belong in this world. I don't know if this is like, if I'm going to be accepted. Maybe this work is too childish and not serious enough. But I loved it. Like, I loved my work. So I was like, well, this is what I think is beautiful. So I need to create it. So I just stuck with it. And anyway, years later, it's just like, it's found its space. Like, the work has spoken and speaks louder than I need to. Like, it's almost like I don't need to speak for the work. It speaks for itself. And uh, it's been now a decade of doing this. What was the trigger then? What, was, what made you go from the studio or the painted page, if you like, mm -hmm. onto the wall? And then as you described, you've been going bigger and bigger and bigger on mm -hmm. the walls. What, what, what made you make that leap? Uh, well, actually, when I graduated from university, I, went, I studied art. I went, all I wanted to do for the rest of my life was children's books. I was like, that's my calling. I know what I want. <laughs> and I realized it's a very small market and it's very tough to make it out there just doing children's books so then I started to creating to create more and more like personal work I was like oh I want to go into gallery work and then as I was creating all this personal work I was living in New York and I just happened to stumble upon Shepard Fairey and while he was painting uh, a mural in Dumbo I mean he was painting and he's got all this crew painting with him and it was so I love his work. I think it's 
for me, I can relate to it on so many different levels because of also because of so inspired by Russian propaganda posters and the like stuff. But I, so I have all this other. I'm drawn to that work for many reasons. But I, when I saw it, how powerful it was, and then I was walked right around the corner under this bridge, and then I saw Face Forty Seven doing this big piece in there, and it was these swans that were flying up, and I was like. This is so much, this is so powerful. I'm like in their world, you know, I'm like, I'm just doing my thing. She just stumbled on I Shepherd stumbled. Fairy and Faith 47. Well, she Did. just finished her piece, but he was doing that piece right around the corner. So I'm, I'm in, in his world, I'm talking to him and doing that thing. And I'm so like impressed and, and just being like, this is so beautiful. And I go around the corner and then see her new piece. And then later that day, I go to Williamsburg and I go to see Nacho's work. Uh, because he's having an exhibition, but then I was like, wait, and he's like, oh, he just painted a mural, but he's having a, a solo show. And it was 2000, I don't know, it was like 10 years ago or something, 10, 12 years ago. And from then on, I was like, this is so influential. This is so powerful to be able to create something in a gallery, as Nachos was doing. And then that same day, he was creating it as a huge wall that speaks just as powerful as his, small, as his smaller pieces. And since then, I've met these people, and I, I, I'm friends with them, and I'm like, they're amazing creatives, and they've made a life for themselves to, to have their work grow in different spaces, in different formats, and not be confined to just do stuff on the streets. And like, no, you can create a gallery show, you can create a mural, you can create merch, you can create a book, whatever. It's just like, see, I think seeing that in live, and you cannot Google that. You have to see it in person to feel that energy. I was like, fuck, I want to do that. <laughs> I suppose seeing the reaction of people passing by as well, right? Because yeah. it's just, you know, the areas that you've described, areas where street art is known to exist. It's a big street art gallery. And people embrace that within that local community, don't they? It's totally. just so magical to see people's reactions. Exactly. And I think it's the first time I saw it, it was like, wait, I seen it on the internet and now I see it live and I see all these people are also buzzing about it. Like, you're watching a performance. Like, at the end, it'll just be an art piece that's going to be there for a long time. But in the process, it's a performance from both the artists, the assistants, but also the viewers. For like, we're like a, you're like a voyeur in somebody's moment when they're in their flow. Like, how cool is that? Well, I noticed that happen a little bit because I was watching you paint your mural earlier in, in uh -huh. Brighton. Now, that's a smaller piece than I've seen you do bef before yeah but no less in impactful in terms of of people stopping they're looking mm. they're they're engaging with you and I notice you love to engage back as yes. well so that that seems to give you energy is yep is that right with the with the big crowds time. and the people seeing you work oh big time I love something it's very special in Brighton the way the way people approach me in Brighton was like very unique then because I've, I've done a, a lot of public art pieces but you can also tell how open people are to public art and to street art and their curiosity. So it's been amazing. But what's interesting about making smaller pieces is that you're on the ground. You're with, you're with the people. So when you're up on a lift and you're making something 10 stories high, you have no chance to talk to people because you're up in the air. So there is a sort of, there is, becomes a bit of a disconnect with the people them who are going to live with the artwork in the end because you didn't have a chance to talk to most of them but doing something on the ground 
is different. You get to talk to everybody, and you also have to you have to be very tight because people can come very close to your work and see your your line work. So you have to stay on point. <laughs> Whereas with large pieces, you can just like can be a little rougher. But that's something. I love people, and I love my studio time. But I get so bored by myself at the studio sometimes. So being out and about and like painting, seeing those reactions, I was like, oh. <laughs> you seem to need that energy. It yeah. seems like that connection bit is something that you, really energizes you. Is that, yeah. is that big time? Oh, big time! I love people. I love, I love even like kids having their opinions and like I'm like, oh, amazing! Like I've never even thought of that. Like it's just there's something about it. Then you know I've also like met people that I've talked to years later and kids that years later down the road, and I see them. And they're like, oh, you know, since then. Like our daughter started drawing way more and like wants to like sees art and she like has opinions about it now because that interaction was very influential that one time and I was like you never know when somebody's gonna be like you know what maybe I'm welcomed into that world too I wanna I wanna draw too or whatever you just never realize it the impact that you could have on somebody else like there's a couple of young young girls today that was talking seemed really like engaged with what you were you were doing and who knows what they're the impact on them would be big time. I mean, they were looking at my every stroke. You know uh, how I fill the squares, the steadiness of my hand, and you know things that I just do so naturally. But for them, it was very impressive, and I'm like, fantastic. I just, I love that they have the confidence to come up so close, to to ask questions, to analyze, to can you do that again? Can you show me that 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 line work? I was like, I don't think I had that kind of confidence when I was their age, but I'm impressed. So. I'm excited for the next generation. I think they're going to bring something very cool. I noticed that in, in the murals, the, the colours there, sort of sharp reds and, and, mm -hmm. and blacks, but a lot in your, pr your print work is, is quite muted tones as well. So yes. is, there, is there an idea behind your, the sense of colour that you use, the palettes that you use in your work? Yeah, absolutely, of course. As usual, like, I think for most artists, the colour speaks so loud, you know, it can change the mood so quickly. This piece in particular in Brighton, I was influenced by, honestly, by the card game itself. You know, I wanted to use reds and blacks, and then the... Because it was a queen of hearts, wasn't it, that you were painting in Brighton? Yes. Well, she was, I was very in, influenced by the Joker, but I wanted to make, create a Joker in every format, like the, the hearts, the spades, the, you know, the, just, that's how I saw Jokers, I guess. But she kind of became the queen of hearts because there's a lot of hearts everywhere and she's got that energy. But it's for me, it's kind of the first time I'm doing black, red and white. It's always a, it's a very classic color palette for me, but it's very powerful and very it's unapologetic. And there's something about the story, the way this character is. She's she's got this energy. She's got a power. She's she's sassy. She's like edgy. And I was like, this is the only color that makes sense, the only combination. But colors are, um, I find them, they, they speak so loud for me. And I, and I take a long time to figure out color palettes because I don't use many, many colors in my work, like only a few. And they have to be right. And I feel like this is the, they have to work together. So I think this combination... It's a classic, and I love it. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I could. It doesn't surprise me to hear you say that because I can, I can see, and I look at not only the piece of you know street art in Brighton, but, but more your, your print works as well. When I look at that and and these muted tones. So when you said earlier you're influenced by folklore and 
bringing those stories back to life. That the colours really seem to complement that. They they seem to suit yeah. this this nostalgic remembrance, if you like, of a of a story. Totally, that's such a good analysis. Thank you. Like I, I think I was talking about it earlier, and I was thinking about the work that I was looking at when I was a kid. It was all muted. You know, it was very, it was very calm, and and the black line work spoke for itself. Because when you have a lot of bright colors and black line work, sometimes it could be so dense and busy that it's almost overwhelming. So I use the muted colors to guide the eyes because the black and white, the black line work is already gonna, going to lead your eye somewhere. And one of the things I also noticed that until I nail the composition on the artwork, in, just in line work, in black and white, only then can any color add anything to it. Color is never going to solve your story. It's never going to, it's never going to, it's not the solution. The story, the composition, the, the setup, the, the, the emotion that you project in your line work, that's your, that's your skeleton. The color is just going to bring it to life and enhance it, but it's never going to solve your composition, let's say. So until I ever, until I nail it with a composition, in black and white, I can I never move on move, move on to choose color because it's not going to be a strong work if you rely on, only on color. How long do you spend on the idea? I think so. You talked about the composition there. You, it seems to me like you're you're playing around with the ideas for a long time before you mm -hmm. even begin to get it on on the page at the outline. Oh, a while, a while. And what I do too is like as I sketch, I rip the pages a lot and I move the pieces around almost like Photoshop you know but it's like in, in person and I rip the page apart like if the head if I draw a character and I I take the head and I rip it and then I I move it to the side the the vibe of the character is changing her attitude shifts you know or her arm gets or her legs are more you know more bent or her arms are more stretched or whatever it is I move it actually physically like collage on a piece of paper until I nail and it's such a great trick to use to, to you don't have to commit to the artwork until you move it around and and you're like that feels right because it's there cut it up it's just a art. physical response that is a quite a physical a act of you, exactly and that's why you don't things that you that's natural for you to draw and then when you cut things up, it's you wouldn't naturally make her arms that long or that big or bend that way or whatever, or her head is tilted this, this and that. But when it's a collage, it's so easy to move it around. So for me, it's really helped me break that, what is normal, what is a normal body type, what is a normal head tilt, what is a normal arm bend, whatever, it doesn't matter. Once you move things around like that, physically, just tape it down and start that piece all over again. Really cool. Ola, thank you very much. Oh, thank Thanks you for so talking much. to Art Related Noise. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs>